podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, welcome back to the Nina Casa show, the last one of the season. Oh gosh, and breathe and relax. Before I go any further, this show is brought to you in partnership with Liberty Shield, your perfect VPN companion for all your entertainment and privacy needs, where you get a massive 25% off using the coupon code AIPRO2021. Right, guys, last one of the season. And my God, I cannot believe it counted for something. Last day drama, we're here for it. Oh, my God. And joining me on this podcast, who, you know, who else? But, you know, some absolute legends. Um, I am delighted to be joined by Andy Wales. Andy, welcome back. Ah, thank you for having me on. Last day of the season, job done. How, who can actually believe we ended up finishing third after all that? You know, we were actually having this conversation. We'll, we'll, we'll touch on this on the pod because it is actually quite laughable considering what the kind of season we've had. And joining Andy, um, it is a familiar voice. Um, I'm great. I'm grateful for everything that he's done this season. It is Dave Horrocks. Dave, welcome back. Thanks for having me on, Nina. It is great to finish on a high after some of the lows that we've had this year. And, and yeah, I'm also in disbelief that we're somehow third and five points behind United, who apparently had a great season. You know what, actually, you know what, let's actually go there. But first, um, Dave, um, there were, were low points, but I'm glad I shared them with you just to kind of keep me level-headed. Um, you know, it's all about who you speak to and who you reach out to. Um. I think Harinda quickly wants to join. He's in the stadium right yep. now. Our match side reporter, Harinda, are you there? <laughs> <laughs> hello? 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 This is like the Eurovision Song Contest. Can you hear me? <laughs> yes. How many points to United Kingdom? <laughs> Three point pleasing. <laughs> get it. Do you know what? I have a, a very good friend sitting next to me who has come to Anfield for, for the first time with me and him together. He's come before himself, obviously. And in the way up, he turned around and he goes, yeah, you know what, this will probably be the day that Manor gets his goal scoring back. And he did. And, and to top it all off, top it all off, it's just... Do you know what? This club puts us through the ringer again and again and again and again. But now, we've done it. You know what? We can relax. We don't have to worry about anything or anyone. And poor old Leicester and Chelsea, they both lost. But we did it. And now I'm going to head outside to go and take part in a tradition of this club. Can you hear us? Yeah. Can you hear us? Here come yeah. the players. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're losing you a little bit there, Harinda, but... um. If we don't get you back on, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we know the... Up the red. Cheers. Thank you, Harinda. Enjoy. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. So that's Harinda. And, uh, you know, anyone that's been to Anfield will know that the signal is absolutely horrific. I'm, I'm surprised how he managed to get on the phone there. Um, it looks like good stuff. Um, we'll talk about his um, his points there and Sadio Mane in a minute. But, guys... Uh, 
let's talk about what we were going to just touch on right there. How on earth Liverpool finished third in that season? And Andy, I'm going to come to you because at some point just after Christmas, our form was as bad as Sheffield United. We were relegation yeah. form. It, yeah, it was it was utterly miserable. It, it really <laughs> was, and it, and it's and it has been a, just an, an awful season, really. And and just a context on it, I'm going to pinch these stats courtesy uh, the courtesy of Simon Brundish. Uh, so in total this season, Liverpool have uh, lost 230 games through injury, and 89 of those have come from the senior centre backs. So that's the kind of context to our season. It has been um, a really punishing, difficult campaign for everybody for so many different reasons. And it is nice to finish on a high. But, you know, we, uh, there were times this season where we were questioning the mentality of some of the players, you know, what we'd, what we'd got used to seeing. And maybe just um, we got accustomed to, but maybe almost became a little blasé about it was that ability to dig out winners, to come back, you know, to to grind out results when we needed to, that we'd become so accustomed to it that we just expected it. And then we began to question the players. And the way they've turned things around in the, the last, you know, two to three months uh, is testament to the, to the mentality of some of these players. As some have played, you know, well, well above what we can expect of them. Others have started to find their... Their, their true quality but um yeah it, it's it, it's mind-blowing to think you know coming into Christmas we were top of the league and everyone expected us to walk it then we go on that run of form like you said where we were relegation candidates to then turn things around at the back end and actually finish third um you know it's whatever emotion you want you whatever emotion you could come up with I think we've been through it throughout this uh throughout this testing season yeah, it has certainly been a flavorful season. You know, we felt it all. And I'm, I'm glad you kind of like put a time scale on the season. You know what? You just talking about the season reminded me of that iconic. Was it BT Sports who did that wonderful um, montage, video montage of Liverpool winning the season through the glory days all the way through the dark times and Liverpool winning the championship again? And it was like so emotional and so moving. Andy, you just did that on my podcast for one season. Well, it's been like that for this year. They've really put us through the ringer. You know, we went from expecting to win every game to expecting to lose every game to um, yeah. to start to win games, but not sure whether we can actually expect to win them again. And then right at the end, yeah, starting to believe in that team again. You know, that whole thing, you know, doubters to believers, it keeps coming back, doesn't it, so many times. And it's 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 just a pleasure to be able to say, yeah, you know, the... We are, we have done it. We've got there. They've they've come through in the end. They absolutely have. And Dave, I'm going to come to you because you and I have spoke a lot on this show this season. We speak a lot anyway, but we've been speaking a lot on this show, and we've kind of felt every emotion together. You know, the seven nil thrashing of Crystal Palace. You, Sam, and I got really excited, and then obviously we <laughs> we, we went through some really really bad results. And there was a trend when these bad results were happening. And it was like the first 10 minutes will pretty much be the synopsis of how this game is going to go. You know, when, when you know, you kind of sensed how Liverpool would kind of end up in this game. The first 10 minutes were the indication 
and I think Andy's hit the nail on the head. There's a real sense of belief now towards the end of the season. I mean, I'm not overhyping us because it is come to the end of the season. I think we're all just absolutely glad that it has come to an end because it has been so exhausting mentally watching this team this season. But I watch them with a lot more confidence now. It feels like the players are a bit more gelled. They're a bit more, they look a little bit more assured. And, you know, Andy's just touched on the mentality monsters there. You know, they, they just look a bit more resilient on the pitch. Yeah, it's difficult. <laughs> you know, after that Palace 7-0, uh, I'm pretty sure I proudly exclaimed that, you know, nothing can rock this squad at all. And then we went on the worst run of results where it seemed every little decision would rock us and, and we've just got no bottle at all. And we're back to, you know, we've ground it out. Um, so I, it's really hard for me to draw real firm conclusions other than you know we were great at the start we were really shit in the middle and we finished really strongly um but you know what it feels to me like that getting third place being only five points behind united it it, it feels significant had a to me. phenomenal season by the way Exactly. You know, they've been so great, haven't they? Bruno Fernandes, you know, they they laud him as, you know, their player of the year and what have you. Five points? It's fuck all, really. And um, when we were going through that bad patch, it really felt like, you know what, the whole squad needs to be overhauled because... It wasn't like we were conceding loads of goals. So although the injuries were really at the, you know, centered around the center back spot, um, the forwards were crap. The midfield was misfiring. Just everything seemed to be going wrong. But it feels like we're back on that upward trend again. And yeah, it's it's such a great way to finish the season. The last game of the season always feels a bit, you know, I don't know, it always makes you feel quite upbeat. Um, but, I mean, everything went for us today, didn't it? Obviously, our result, but, you know, the Spurs and the Leicester, uh, the Leicester and the Chelsea games obviously went for us as well. They certainly did, they certainly did. And we'll, we'll touch on a, we'll touch on a horrendous points in a second. And Andy, I'm going to come back to you because... Um, this time last season, the last game was against Newcastle and it was just like a really, really relaxed game. And then we all jumped on the call for AI Pro and we all kind of talked about the season and our highlights. This season, so much playing, but it kind of reminded me of that, that season where we had to get a result against Middlesbrough, you know, um, uh, to get Champions League football. But my God, we had our eyes on, on all the other games and it was kind of, there was a, a moment where Leicester scored um, Vardy got a penalty and they were like Liverpool are at the top four and I want to get your thoughts on this because I was quite calm at that moment because it just looked like Liverpool were in control um, the, the, the ball in the final third wasn't great and that was the most frustrating part but I knew that the way this team has been playing that things will click into gear because I saw it against Burnley and you know things will fall into place but I wasn't stressed at all but you know it was actually quite nice and reassuring knowing that we didn't really have to rely on other teams or other scores to happen. All we had to do was win our game. That's all we yeah. needed to do. Yeah, that was refreshing. And it was good, you know, that, we, again, you know, we got the job done. We did we did our end of the business. You know, we, we kept our end of the bargain. <clears throat> we did what we needed to do. Excuse me. <clears throat> um but I wasn't concerned early on either, for, you know, for two reasons. And that was because, yeah, Leicester took the lead. But I fully expected that game to be a goal fest just because Leicester had to chase goals. They had to boost their goal difference. 
And we've seen ourselves what happens when Brendan Rodgers... Crystal Palace, remember? <laughs> well, this, I know this is, you know, and it's not to bash him, but th- this is the thing. It's it's that over-eagerness to lose their structure and they, they get too open and they're susceptible to being hit. Uh, so I was I was fairly comf- comfortable in terms of whatever that result was going to be because I, I thought that would be quite an open game. And you've also obviously got in there Harry Kane chasing the golden boot. The other side to it was, is primarily though, is watching our game, we, we came through, I think, a, a fairly sticky sort of first 10 minutes. We rolled that storm out. And, and from there on, I just felt confident that we would find a way through and we would get a goal. Yeah, and for me, it was only the the only thing in this game was when we took the lead, not if we took the lead, but when we took the lead, could mm. we get a second goal to put it out of reach of them? Uh, and that was that was the only thought in my mind. I I must admit, I I, I felt quite serene today. So yeah, and that's an odd feeling <laughs> this this season. That's a very odd feeling this season. It is, and I think it came at the right time because the players have found some kind of form. Um, I'll come to you, before I come to you, Dave, um, the, the pod father wants in on the pod, and if I don't let him on, he's going to sack me. <laughs> no. <We> are... <laughs> come on, pod father, talk to us. Just such a relief, huh? Just to, uh, I mean, this is... I just tweeted something that the last three seasons, the points accumulation over the last three years, Man City have 265 points and Liverpool have 265 points. Um, the, I mean, you don't get that those points without that, that little run at the end of the season. So imagine if you just win those two draws as well. It's it's nine in a row at the end of the season without defenders. Um, you just wish Klopp had put Fabinho back in midfield a bit earlier. You know, and uh, things might have been different this season. So, just shows players in their right positions, and this squad has still got it, even with having Mane and Firmino totally off form, missing so many chances. You look at the season, you think, Jesus Christ, you know, this has been so torturous for us. So many things went wrong, so many players are form. And yet, you know, it's just the little things that you change that could have turned everything around. That that last run, seven out of nine, five in a row, that's back to championship form, you know, without defenders. without oh, and, it's, and it's nerve-wracking as fuck watching Nat and Reese play, of course, but they still managed to get the points, you know. So, it, and, and there were easy games in there. You went to Old Trafford and won as well. So, <laughs> it wasn't like there was a piss-easy run at the ending, it seemed like it, but it, it was pretty hard. Newcastle played well. Leeds were playing well, so we drew those two, but we should have won those as well. We should have won them too. So just, you know, there's a lot of change to come. There's, um, you know, we've got to get some more players in. I think we will be active this summer now. Got third place. And um, I think that's a really good run for confidence in the squad to go into next season. I honestly feel like next season is going to be completely different with uh, more players available, players playing in the right positions new players coming in. And uh, I think we should really be upbeat about, you know, looking forward to next season and looking forward to the summer. As long as the Euros and the Coppers go for us, you know, in terms of injuries and players. But yeah, having VVD back, Andy, is going to be unbelievable next year, to be honest. 
what one thing, one little dig in there, Gags. I've seen what you'd put in the chat as well. We finished 17 points behind Man City. Last season, they finished 18 points behind us. And yeah. we were the worst defending champions ever this season, yeah. apparently. Yeah, so just exactly. Like... Exactly. That That's one thing someone needs to quote tweet on my tweet so I can retweet it. Because it's the biggest someone slap. Someone do it. Go on, someone do it. Because at Go the end on. of the day, if we're the worst defending champions, we did better than what City did. Surely. 17 behind. Yeah. <laughs> Tag Roy Keane in. <laughs> <laughs> Roy Keane's covering the United game or something today, but I don't know. But it, it, it's, uh, like I said, we it's not been a good season for us. I think it's understandable. I think Klopp even made massive mistakes himself. You know, there's been questionable decisions going on. They were all off form. But then when you cross it with the injuries, the deaths in players and managers' lives, you know, you or you have to be able to understand, you know, and then for them to pull it off at the end, you have to tip your hat and say, it looked like there was no way. There was no way they were qualifying. Absolutely all of us given up, even me, who's the most promising and upbeat of them all. Um, you know, even I said in the group once, you know, mathematically, it's not done until it's done. And people told me to shut my mouth because it's over. And we're here, but I even gave up after that because it was just, it seemed impossible. Seemed impossible. So we're there though. And that, we have to say, is a statement. I think for Klopp to come and say it's a success, we're not going to agree with him or a lot of people aren't going to agree with him. But I think from where we were and from what happened and to get third, to get those extra couple of million as well, some down payment for a player somewhere, um, it has to be taken as a successful end to the season. You have to, because it was it seemed impossible. Seemed impossible. You've watched Reese and Nat playing defence and bite our nails off, but come out with a seven out of nine record. It's it's just something else. Unreal. It is, and Dave, I'm, I'm going to come to you. I mean, gags, gags being gags, loads of points there. You know, just talking about putting the season into into context for us in terms of numbers, we expect nothing less from gags. I mean, anything you'd like to say about that? Because you know, I think when we were seventh, there was a lot of like you know, big Man United accounts as well saying these are the worst defending champions, and you know, there was a lot of videos that went viral. You know, I think everyone just wanted to bash Liverpool. So I want I want to get your thoughts on on the whole how, how people were kind of projecting and you know even what Andy just said there that you know uh, there's the, the the point difference to Man City and ours this season and yet we're like literally the worst when Man United won it under Fergie finished something like fifth or something I guess my first thought is fuck them well that's a nice way yeah fuck them and if they think you know that we are not going to be there next year fuck them again because, you know, we were absolutely decimated at the back. And we've spoken many times that we were decimated at the back. So that ended up, up with us robbing from the midfield. And then the people we brought from midfield, they ended up injured as well. So we were just absolutely fucked. Um, and we've ended up stumbling across this formula. We've had Nat and Reese playing at the back. And, you know, we all know what, what they are. Um, and I, th- I think they've done absolutely brilliantly. But, you know, for me, having Fabinho coming into midfield, you know, having that balance, Thiago as well, 
he's looked like the proper maestro, hasn't he, in the, in the middle. He's really got that rhythm now. And I, I just think there's so much cause uh, for optimism now. And, and, you know, even without new signings, I, I'd feel optimistic. If, if, the, if we went into the season, like, you know, in a few weeks, I'd, I'd feel pretty optimistic. I think we will have people coming in, um, and I'm sure the scouting department will make sure we bring in the right people. Um, quite happy to see if we can have a rest, obviously. Quite happy, you know, it was getting quite emotional at different points during today. Uh, but even before the ball was kicked, you know, here in the crowd, singing You'll Never Walk Alone, it, it just, you could feel like, you know, it, it, things were getting back to normal for us. And, and no more so today, I think, than Sadio Mane, I thought, even without the goals, take away the goals. And I just thought he looked, you know, to be playing a few percent better than what he had with without a crowd there. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, speaking of uh, Moss, um, uh, you know, uh, let's speak about Sadio Mane right there. And, um, and Andy, I'm going to come to you because it was a point that um, Harinda touched on, actually. Sorry, my head's a bit everywhere. It was a, it was a point that um, Harinda touched on regarding that his friend kind of predicts that this is a game that, you know, Sadio Mane is going gonna, is gonna to score a couple of goals. And, he looked quite lively from the get-go, you know. Um, he was showing all the things that we absolutely love about him, his strength, you know, taking on the player. He looked really, really sharp today. And it's great to see him in that form. But then at the same time, I'm really gutted that it's come to an end. Like, you know, his contribution could have been, like, so huge this season. And it's not been great for him. He's been off form. I think he also had COVID as well. You know, like Gag said, put things into context. People have, you know have dealt with loss of life. People have become very, very ill and injured. So I want to get your thoughts on, on Sadio Mane today because I think he's had a lot of criticism and there's a lot of talk about, you know, selling him. And there's even like funny rumours that he's going to end up at Borussia Dortmund who are going to do the unthinkable and break their transfer fee for a 29-year-old player. Yeah, because that really sounds like Borussia Dortmund. I want to get your thoughts on Sadio Mane. First of all, the Borussia Dortmund rumour is absolute bullshit. Hilarious, yeah. That is absolutely not happening. Um, just one thing, yeah. Sadio Mane, along with I'd say every player in the squad other than Mo Salah, has had issues this season, whether it be uh, injuries or loss of form. I think Mo Salah has been the only one who's basically carried us through at times this season with his goals. He's overwhelmingly our best player this season, and and should really be in contention for Player of the Season as well. In contention. But as for Sadio Mane, last season, I, I, there was no doubt in my mind, he was our player of the season. He was Liverpool's best player last season, Sadio yep. Mane. And he's gone, for me, he went from Liverpool's best player to arguably most disappointing. And yet, along with you know, so many other players, there is context to that. There are reasons for yep. that. But beyond you know, the COVID So this is why I podcast on. It's called Anfield Index. Okay, he's just playing live in the background. Go on mute, Harinda. Thanks for that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. I just joined voice. If you want to hear my conversations, it's not a problem. I'm sorry. <laughs> Bye again. Oh, I should yeah. have kept him on. He could have slagged me off, you know? Could have heard it all. That cow's is a proper shit bag, I tell you. Do you know what? That monk <laughs> accent of hers. I just go on and 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 on and
That Andy Wells is great, though. He's awesome. And that Dave Hawks. Beautiful people. Beautiful humans, isn't that? He's on mute. I've got carry on, Andy. Sorry about that. Ah, look for Inda. Yeah, so Savio. And for me, it's just his confidence completely deserted him through the season. And that, that was just evidence in the way that he played. You know, you were, what you were talking about in terms of his strength, his willingness to take people on, to attack, to be direct, to make things happen. That what that wasn't happening. We didn't see the real Sadio Mane. He was not, you know, he was slowing down, taking extra touches, turning, moving backwards, laying the ball off to somebody else. That that's not the Sadio Mane that we've come to love and appreciate over the past few years at Liverpool. And yeah, you know, the two goals today hopefully certainly help him. There was a lot more willingness from him to do what he does. He has looked a lot sharper in the last few games. Um, it, at times his touch and his um, and his attempt to dribble were were not quite on it today, but again, much like our run towards the end of the season, you know, eight wins out of ten, you know, gone from on the seventh of March when we lost to Fulham, we were in eighth position. So in the ten games since then, we've won eight and drawn two, and we really should have won uh, the two games that we drew as well. So. Much like that form has, has turned around and we've got reason for hope at the end of the season, um, I'd like to think that Sadio Mane's sharp return to sharpness and the goals in this game give us a little bit of hope that we will see the real Sadio Mane again next season. Absolutely. A nice little preview for us there, there Dave. It's something to keep us excited. Um, uh, coming to you, Dave, um, your thoughts on, on Sadio Mane and uh, just the overall, you know, you know, I feel like we're, we're approaching silly season now and I'm not looking forward to it. And, um, you know, we're already talking about his departure and things. So I want to get your thoughts in terms of what is going to happen with him yeah. and how important is he? Because I absolutely love Sadio Mane. He's just one of those players that, I don't know, when he scores, there's genuine, genuine joy for me. He just seems like just one of the most likable people. Oh, absolutely. And he is a proper, proper team player, isn't he? And I think, yeah, he's been disappointing this year at times, certainly this calendar year, but it's because he's set the standards so high as well. I I always think even when he's playing a bit crap, he always looks dangerous. You know, the old adage is it only takes a second to score a goal. I think even if he's not playing well, the opposition are still worried about him. So that potentially creates space for other people. Um, the the rumours to to Dortmund is, is one of the more bizarre ones, isn't it? Because like you say, it's just completely uh, from left field. It, it's not a signing that they'd make at all. So I hope he, you know, does have a nice rest uh, and come back, comes back re-energised for next year because I, I certainly don't want to see him go. I, I think he's just had a bit of a blip, which has been... Probably his first like sticky patch, hasn't it? Since he joined, he's always been like pretty phenomenal for us. So I, I think that's all it was—a blip. I do think back to that Everton game where you know he was being manhandled and not getting anything, and then he he suddenly like pushes back a bit and gives away a free kick. I don't know why that's just in my mind. Um, you know, it seemed to break something in his mind and then he seemed to be going over you know he's not very good at diving is he so you know these things when they're slowed down look worse than they are 
But no, I think he's going to come back strong. And and actually, I was I was delighted when that first goal goes in. I actually thought he'd missed it, but you know, it, when it actually goes in, and then you've got that few seconds of waiting. Oh, VAR going to check it? What what's going to happen there? But no, absolutely delighted for him. And yeah, I I don't know. Even before that goal, like I say, I just feel like he was he was looking a bit sharper than than he had been doing. And uh, you know, it's I think sometimes it's a bit too simple to say it's because of the fans. But he definitely looked up for it today, right from the off. He really did. And you know what? Um, I've got a really good question from Dell. Okay, so he, he wants to ask the panel, what's been your highlight of the season and what's been your law? We'd like to know what others on the call say as well. And Dell's actually come up with his um, high and low point and so has Adam Perticcioni. So I will share them with you guys. So it'll give you some thinking time. Um, and Dell's high point is, of course, Alison's goal. Um, header and his low point was Virgil van Dyke's um injury. Um, Adams is Alison's goal, and Trent's um header leading to Real Madrid's goal was his low worst point. I am going to come to Dave first on this one. Well, I wish he'd have asked the question and not filled in his own answers because I'm going to be a bit dull. <laughs> so, I mean, the highlight's got to be the Allison header, hasn't it? You know, because we'd had some decent results. There was just, from going from not having a chance, it, this, this really was Rocky Three. You know, it, we suddenly, we'd been the champions, you know, untouched. And then the next minute, Club Lang comes in, beats the crap out of us, and then our confidence is completely shattered and we go on a terrible run of results. And then we get our mojo back and then, you know, it's like, hang about, can we can we actually make this top four? And, and you know, Chelsea and Leicester were stumbling a little bit as well. But, you know, we're going into that West Brom game. It's another frustrating game with that fat shit who I hope I never see again uh, with another Premier League side. And... That Allison header leaps like a salmon, and it buries into the far corner. You know, in that moment, it was just amazing. Um, but then, when you see the actual, <laughs> you see the actual uh, Rocky music put to Allison's header again. For me, I, I'll remember that for years and years from now. So definitely the the highlight for me, and. I'm not going to steal completely. I'm not going to say the the Van Dyke injury, but I would say that whole Everton game, just the the yeah. sense of injustice over the whole thing, the Van Dyke injury, the fact that you know people are making yeah, got injured, the goal that was ruled off, you know, exactly those three things, and then people are saying, oh well, yeah, the whistle had gone, he was offside, and blah blah blah, so Pickford couldn't have been sent off. Fuck off. You know, you don't just blow the whistle and then there's a melee, you know, a few minutes, a few seconds after the whistle's gone. So just that whole sense of injustice, the fact that, you know, the the red offside line for Sadio Mane, I still look at that picture and think there is literally no part of that line that's touching Sadio Mane's body. So, yeah, that that is definitely uh, the low light for me. I like that. You went a bit different. You you touched on the entire game and actually it was actually such it got me so angry that game. Andy, I'm gonna to come to you high and low point and then I'll share mine. Well, the again the high one is quite easy really. It's that it's that Allison Allison goal. I mean how can you pick anything else? It was just un, unreal. I I was actually on a train on my way back from the airport 
as that went in, fully expecting. I was I kept flicking, updating my phone, like what it's one one. We're in the last minute of injury time. That's it. I can't believe we're drawing to West Brom. And then I'm like, what? What's going on? What's going on? And then I see a clip, and I'm laughing. And I've got a train of Germans looking at me as I'm laughing at the the most unreal, <laughs> just incredible goal that I've ever seen in my life. It was it was it, it was magnificent, and it just I think that really just turned around, and that was us believing that's it. It was just meant to be, you know. Fate means that we are going to do this. Yeah. Um, in terms of law, obviously Virgil's injury that's that isn't an absolute obvious one. The spanking to to Aston Villa, that that was heart wrenching. But I'm actually going to go for the game against Leicester, where, <clears throat> I mean, the VAR decision itself was just ludicrous to give them an offside goal. But I think it was the utter capitulation after that goal that really, really had me worried and had me questioning about what the future was for this team. The way that we completely fell apart and disintegrated on the pitch and gave more games goals away for a game that we should have won comfortably. That still bothers me now. Um, it, it, I, I, get, I think that was, that was the moment that game was a moment that really made me question just what is going to happen with this team, what's happened to them, what's going on with these players, because this was this was definitely not the group of players that I'd been used to, and we'd got that out of our system doing them kind of things. So I was genuinely concerned about what the future held for this team at that moment. So that that would probably be my law. I like it. Okay, I think everyone wants to go with Alison, and you'd be a a fool not to. It literally is the highlight of the season. I mean, our goalkeeper making history. It's going from law open play. And then, of course, he's a very, very emotional interview afterwards as well. You know, um, I love the fact that he, you know, he just wants Champions League football. And I tweeted, you know, he, he made that crucial save against Napoli a couple of seasons ago that kept us in the competition. And he's just scored like the header that keeps our hopes alive and, you know, it pushed us and it was the momentum that this team needed. I don't think you can look beyond Alisson. Another probably notable shout for me, the highlight would probably uh, be um, Thiago's um, debut against Chelsea where he broke a lot of stats um, records in terms of how many passes he played. He just looked like, you know, the Rolls-Royce player that we knew that we were going to get. And in that team with a fully fit squad, we just looked like we're going to retain that that league, you know. And I think, you know, there is reason to be hopeful, hopeful and optimistic for next season because with a full team, he just looked so, so comfortable. So I think that for me was a really, really nice little side shot. But in terms of, for me, the, the worst part of the season, I can't really pick a game because there's been so many awful games. And I think you guys have touched on them. For me, I've had enough of speaking about the officials that are looking at VAR decisions. That has yeah. been the low, low point for me just in general. I feel like they have absolutely... This season was strange anyway. And we knew that was going to happen. But I feel like the officials that have been watching these replays and still making huge errors has been not only costly for the season, I'm not making excuses and I'm not having a rant and I'm not mourning, but you've just kind of touched on some games where we kind of got screwed over by it. It was really, really costly. And I think just constantly getting frustrated and, you know, getting on this podcast and speaking about 
you know, the, the, you know, inept, ineptness of, of these officials has just been deeply, deeply frustrating. So I'm going to have to just give it to the officials. Yeah, it seems a long time ago now, doesn't it? But even when we were winning, we seemed to get screwed over by VAR quite a lot. And, you know, the rules would adjust quite a bit. You know, at the beginning of the season, quite a lot of penalties were being given away, weren't they, for handballs? I can think of Gomez against Newcastle, where he's clearly trying to get his arm out of the way. And then suddenly, you know, that's a penalty. But you see similar incidents later on. I'm sure even in our worst games, we still had, you know, debatable decisions all going against us. I think it was, might have even been against Brighton where exact carbon copy almost of of like Gomez trying to get his ball, you know, the Brighton defender trying to get their hand out of the way and ball hits their hand and it's like, oh no, the referees have sorted it out now. No, fuck that. You start off the competition with one set of rules, one interpretation of the rules, and that's it for the season it should be. Um, But yeah, all these kind of things seem to go against us for quite a long period. And again, I I just think as well as the injuries, that kind of conspired to grinding down our mentality and morale. And so... I'm glad we haven't spoken about VAR much in the last few weeks. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, we just kind of got the job done. Okay, guys, Um, because it is like the end of the season. So um, who who has been your player of the season? I think this one's quite easy. And I will come to... I will come to Andy first on this one. Yeah, very easy for me. Uh, Mo Salah. Uh, just no question about it. Yeah. Uh, the closest to him would be Fabinho. Uh, I think that period, obviously, where he'd first gone into uh, centre-back, you know, up until where he'd got injured, I thought he was outstanding. That whole first half of the season, he was excellent. Robertson was really good up until about December. Finaldum was good up until around about November. But, you know, the real consistency there is, is Mo Salah, you know, from start to finish. Um, goals. That just kept us afloat at times. You know, we we won eight from ten of the eight. We won eight of our last ten, but previous ten to that, we'd won three and lost seven. You know, and his goals throughout this campaign have just kept us over where we just won games or just drew games where we were really really struggling, uh, and he's been absolutely key. And you know, where we were just struggling to grind results through at the beginning of this good run. You know, he was key to that as well. So without a shadow of a doubt, in in, in my opinion, it's uh, it's Mo Salah. I do not think anyone can argue that. I mean, Dave, uh, you know, there was, a, there was a moment actually just due after Christmas where our front three just were not scoring and we didn't even have a goal from um, open play till God knows how long. You know, even Mo Salah got a penalty against Man City. It looked really bad. And considering, you know, there were questions about the forwards saying that they're not scoring enough goals for him to be in contention of Golden Boot as well. I mean, it just goes to show just what a absolutely phenomenal generational talent he actually is and massively, massively disrespected, by the way, by oppositions and pundits. Yeah, so only Mo Salah has, been, uh, has got more goals than Sadio Mane, um, who's had a terrible season. So it's weird, isn't it? This, this whole... Um, perception of Mo Salah by, yeah, by everyone, opposition, opposition managers, 
Um, I, I think that was Sam Allardyce, wasn't it? He was the first one to come out and openly criticise Salah diving, and then everyone just seemed to jump on it. And, uh, you know, the fact that every fucker dives in the Premier League, uh, he's got it worse than most. I think it is a, a one-man competition this year, isn't it? He's been head and shoulders above everyone else. His performance level, I don't think, ever really dropped. Uh, yeah, he misses chances, but he's always there for the next chance. And, and that's the difference. And, you know, could he have passed it in, op- you know, in certain situations? Yeah, of course he could. That's why he's the top fucking goal scorer for us for, you know, however many years now. Uh, and it's okay for Harry Kane to take a shot, but not Mo Salah. I don't know, other than xenophobia, what the reasons are that he is so massively disrespected. Um, but I, not by us, I, I don't think. We can tell, you know, what a great player he is. And, yeah, without him and, and him keeping those performance levels, I, there's no way this season looks as, as positive as it does at the end. And, you know, there was a time when that front three, there was always one who'd step up. Uh, This season, it has mainly been Salah. And I know the other guys have come up with important goals. Um, But yeah, there's no... There's no doubt at all in my mind. I do want to, you know, and a little bit of a jest, a little bit of fun. I do want to call out Nat Phillips, right? Because I know he's quite polarizing, and I know it winds some people up because he, you know, he is what he is. But I genuinely feel, to my core, that the change in our form happened when we started playing players in their right positions. And part of that was Nat Phillips playing at the back. I haven't actually seen or, or heard any stats about what our record looks like with him in the side and without him in the side. But I think, you know, it's a little bit of a, it'd be a little bit misleading anyway, because quite often, you know, if he was playing, that meant we could play Fabinho in in the middle of the park. So that obviously has a massive impact as well. But in terms, again, in terms of this calendar year, I think he has been absolutely brilliant. He's been a rock at the back. And actually, even before we scored our first goal today, when he stuck on that headband, you know, I just felt, right, this is going to be an iconic game. Uh, we are definitely not losing this. You know, he's he's going to be there lying at the back. But now his head's made out of steel, so I did get a bit worried. I was like, oh, my God, you know, like, he just literally just heads everything, does not Phillips. I mean... He just doesn't get phased, though, does he? I mean, you could see there was quite a lot of bruising came up quite quickly straight away, you know, from the, from the back of Fabinho's head. But he, he just gets on with it, doesn't he? He does, yeah. He's he's a little um, uh, tough nut, is is uh, Nat Phillips. Uh, you know, you have to give them credit. Thrown into the deep end, him and Reese Williams, and you know, for all things considered, I mean, the fact that they they you know they were a big big part of this, and you know, a couple of uh, you know a couple of clean sheets there as well, which is a nice confidence builder considering you know. Um, the amount of goals that we've kind of leaked in this season. Guys, um, we have to, we have to, this season, you know, we have to, this is the last, last, um, you know, post-match of the season. And I think it was um, uh, marked by, it looks like Ginny Wijnaldum's going. And i got to talk to you about Ginny Wijnaldum because, um, you know, five years he spent at the club, an excellent, excellent player. I feel like he's the kind of player, a lot of people probably, you won't really know much about what he does in terms of he just quietly gets on with his job um, he doesn't score an awful lot of goals but he kept things ticking in the midfield, an absolute legend, 
had some iconic moments at the club. Um, you know, got a wonderful, wonderful standing ovation, which was a nice touch from from Liverpool fans and Liverpool fans to kind of say goodbye to him. And you know, uh, and also you know the the club as well paying great tribute to him. Um, it looks like he's going to be off. Uh, I feel like we'll really, really miss him if we don't replace him next season in terms of what he does and just um, and even his availability because we have been hit by injuries this season and just to have that kind of player and the minutes in his legs, Andy. I I feel like there's literally not a player like that. Yeah, I, I do. I do feel that that was kind of coming towards the end, that with his legs towards the end of the season, he was showing signs of flagging in a number of games. So perhaps, you know, it's just the right time for everybody concerned. But I love the send-off that he got. Uh, clearly, you know, a really popular guy. Um, the hugs from everyone. The one at the end from Virgil, I must admit, you know, had me choked a little bit. That was that was definitely a bit of a tearjerker. That one, it was it was a a lovely little moment. He's he has frustrated me at times this season, as particularly on the ball. Some of his decision making, he's over, a, you know, taking too many touches, slowing down counter attacks, things like that. But over the course of his Liverpool career, um, he, I I don't know where you'd be coming from if you cannot do anything but pay homage to him and appreciate what he's given and how important he's been to to this team that has been so successful. He's been a key component. Um, and the availability, uh, that's, you know, it, it's an underrated, an underrated asset. It really is just being there. Because, I mean, we're talk, you know, talking about Nat Phillips and giving credit to him and, you know, how the defence has, has improved well, with a little bit more solid and whatnot. I think the biggest sort of transformative thing in that was the midfield. Having Fabinho back in the midfield gave the team more balance. And Vinaldum has been a part of that team balance over the over these past four or five years. And particularly, you know, those those two, three years where we just racked up win after win after win, got a couple of trophies. He's... You know he's been so important, and and those two goals against Barcelona should never ever be forgotten, and and he deservedly will have a place in Liverpool folklore because he he's been such such a good player, uh, and undoubtedly yeah, he will be missed. He absolutely will be, uh, and wherever he goes and whatever he does, I, I I can only wish him the very best. Yeah. I will miss that beautiful smile of his. I have the best smile in the business. Uh, Dave, your your thoughts? I mean, you know, the fact that he got two goals against Barcelona, I mean, that in itself is just legendary status, right? And uh, the fact that he's actually just such a good, he was such a good servant to the club as well. I want to get your thoughts on Ginny Wijnaldum. And, you know. I uh, honestly, even coming up to today, I still have that tiny little, you know, bit of hope. I, I would like him to stick around. Clearly, he's not, <laughs> especially when he got substituted. I think that was my last bit of hope booted into the into the long grass. So I think he's been amazing. And yeah, okay, he can be frustrating. But I think I said on the last pod, for me, he's the glue. And when the team's playing well, he functions in that team, you know, and, and 
keeps things ticking over. He keeps the ball, which, you know, is an underrated part of the game. Christ, no one knocks him off the ball. And actually, I noticed today Fabinho, you know, got knocked off the ball again. So again, I I can only think he he probably needs a bit of a rest. I know he's had a a few injuries this year. But yeah, I think he's going to be a massive miss for us. I, I saw a tweet and I was annoyed, actually, because... I saw that Wijnaldum had liked it as well. That's how it showed up in my feed. But someone was saying, oh, he'll he'll be missed as much as Emre Can. Fokar, the guy has been a legend. He has been so good for us. And yeah, even when things were not going for us this year, he was there week in, week out, running his arse off. You know, and, and obviously the players who aren't playing, you know, they seem to get better when they're not playing. But he's there week in, week out. And, yeah, I'm just disappointed he's going to go. I hope that we've got something in the bag because we can get worse, you know, without replacing him. Um, there's a lot of players uh, who can make us worse. And so I just hope, you know, we've got something that we can pull out the bag there and, and, you know, make him make us better than we are now, because honestly, that that is a tall ask. And I know that, you know, his highlights always going to be that those two goals against Barcelona. But for me, he does a lot of the shovel work. Uh, I, I said before, he reminded me quite a lot of Ronnie Whelan. Um, I remember speaking, I, I met with Jan Mulber years ago and he, he said, I I was talking about Ronnie Whelan and and Jan said he was a massively underrated player. I I think Wijnaldum's the same. I I just think he he will be a big miss and he'll be a massive asset to whoever he goes to. Um, I think he'd be making a bit of a mistake to go to Barcelona right now, to be honest, but um, I I wish him all the best. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, somebody put in a quote um. Remy's actor put in a quote from Paul Joyce about uh, Ginny Wijnaldum to Sky. The people in Liverpool have shown me love during the five years. I will miss them, you know. I hope to have played for many years for the club, but unfortunately things went different. I have to start a new adventure. I I didn't sign uh, somewhere else. Maybe, maybe there's still a lifeline. Who knows? <laughs> uh, we'll have to... though, isn't it? Isn't that weird? That we're just going to let him go. We must have something lined up. Yeah, we, it sounds like there's there's a, there's must be a replacement, and maybe um, like Andy just kind of touched on that he's been looking a little leggy towards the end. Maybe Klopp and the medical team have kind of realised this guy. If we play him the way we played him, he will have an injury, and it could be, you know, like in terms of cost per per play, it could be actually really really detrimental to Liverpool. Like maybe it's time to cut ties with him right now. It's it's a gamble, isn't it? I mean, it's not going to be mm. as high as the cost of Navigator. Yeah, but uh, I know. I think that one. I don't think they knew that it would be that bad. Does that? I I I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with Navigator. I, I truly hope that we can keep him fit. But I, if 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 his injury concerns were as bad as what they are with Liverpool, because I don't think he was that bad under Leipzig. I think he he had mm-hmm. he had mm-hmm. some heart problems, didn't he, Andy? Once um, at Leipzig. But nothing per major, 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 because they pulled out the Nabil Fekker deal um, for for those reasons, right? Because he was injury prone, or or there was something there that the club weren't comfortable with. Yeah, Nabil Fekker did, certainly didn't have the injury issues at Leipzig that he that he has had with us, and and it's you know it's a, it's a really sad thing because I I 
and steadfast on this that the the quality for me with Naby Keita is undoubted, and I think whenever he's played, or not quite whenever he's played, but the majority of when he's played, he's been good, at least good, sometimes excellent. Yep. He's he has the quality is is clear for me. The issue is availability, and yes. it is, it's a it's a crying shame. And I just feel that this season was maybe a breaking point for Klopp. I think Klopp really wanted it to work, but I think got to the point where I just don't think Klopp trusts Naby Keita anymore. And it's it, for me, it's a real shame because he's just got so many of the characteristics that you would expect for a Klopp midfielder. Uh, and he's got so you know so much ability. He can change games. He, you know things that he can do. He, he's just such a talented player. Uh, and uh, you, you get the impression as well that he's you know he's a popular guy. You know the 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 personality. Everything is there. It's it's just an unfortunate thing. You know injuries. Some players have it. And you know you know we're looking at you know Jordan Henderson turned thirty. He's having injury issues, you know. Vinaldum's turned thirty. There's, you know, that we we can't afford to have a, a team that ages together and then starts to have injury problems as well. So, yeah, not only do we have to somehow find a, another player to replace that um, that that uh, role that uh, Vinaldum carried out, but we also need to have someone that can be available, you know, week in week out as as much as uh, as as Ginny Van Alden was. Uh, and that is a tough ask. So you're looking for a robust player. You're looking for a machine. Also, yeah, who, who who also ticks all of those, um, you know, quality boxes. Uh, and they're difficult to find. They they really, really are. You know, Especially... it's funny you say that. It's funny you say that, Andy, because um, I did the Euro Incision podcast and Themis, my my little co-host, we were speaking and he goes, I think Dirk Hout left some, left some you know, invincibility juice in, in a locker and told Ginny where to find it. <laughs> <laughs> but the the thing is as well is you look in the current climate is the it's had an accumulative effect that the constant football over the past two three years for so many players last season that obviously the season goes long there's there's almost no break in there then this season starts then we're going to have Europe the the Euros and then we'll be coming back into another season again you know that there's just so many games so many games and the demands are so high. That you know maybe we have to start looking at um, you know beefing up the squad a little bit just purely because the nature of the of, of the game the way it's going you can't expect players to be available for fifty sixty games a season it just it's just not physically possible. No, it absolutely is, and and I think this season was um you know the the transfer window was actually quite um you know um. Telling and Gags spoke about this that you know we 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 absolutely shot ourselves in the foot and it goes to show because the amount of injuries we had you know he said letting Lovren go and not buying a centre back and Gags said all this and we've had it on pod and it's you know it's somewhere on the archives on the Nina Kowser show where he said this is going to come back to bite us on the earth and I mean I don't think we realise it'd be this bad in terms of how many injuries we've had but availability is a huge thing. Um, wish Ginny all the best. Um, it'll be very, very interesting how that plays out and what what the club have have up their sleeve. I mean, I, I fully trust the board and you know Edwards. So let's watch this space and all the best to Ginny Wijnaldum. We absolutely love you and you know go on to amazing things. Just don't sign for a Premier League team. Don't do a Luis Suarez. <laughs> oh God! Do Do you reckon he'll play this summer? Because I mean it. it... That must be a little bit precarious if he's going to play for 
the Netherlands. Are they? Uh, I'm saying that. Are they actually through? <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't even looked. I don't give a toss about international football. But if he was to play this summer, it'd be a little bit of a risk for him, wouldn't it, With without being at a club? Andy, um, uh, I, I think Holland are through, you know, because uh, I think uh, Virgil van Dijk pretty much said he's not going to make a return to the Euros. He oh, wants to focus yeah, on yeah. his recovery. Right. Yeah, so Holland are definitely through. I mean, that would be, I guess it could be just window shopping though, right? You know, he's going to be just kind of displaying his talents. He does have more of an advanced role for Holland. He does get a lot of goals. So, you know. If, um, he, if he breaks his leg or something. Bloody hell, man. Worst case scenario. Stop it, Dave. <laughs> I'm just, I, 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 obviously, I don't wish that on him, but you know he's he's got to be thinking about that. It's it's quite a precarious position for a, a player to go if they're not signed up to a club. I honestly, I can't believe. I'm really surprised by that that no one signed him up. I, I don't get it. Though everyone knows who he is, I'm sure he's got some. He's got like two, three possibilities lined up. Yeah, he may not find anything yet, but I'm sure he's got offers there. Yeah, he's talking, isn't he? He's talking, he's just not put pen to paper. Yeah, there's no way on earth that people are looking at that contract situation and thinking, you know what, we could do with a bit of him. We don't have to pay a a signing on fee or anything. We just basically pay the contract. That's all you're paying for. Oh, yeah, it'll be a bargain for someone. Uh, Yeah, he will. He's he's in Group C, so with Ukraine, Austria and North Macedonia. I think he might be smooth sailing. He might sweep up there, might he? (laughs) Yeah, he might. He might. Right, guys, I think we've pretty much come to the end of this show and this pod. Before I kind of sign off uh, in terms of talking about post-match games, and my God, what a relief. um, Any final thoughts? And I will come to Dave first. I mean, any final thoughts? I mean, any play that you're really looking forward to next season? Anything? Just share anything. You know, let's just close this off this season. What a long season it's been, by the way. I think we couldn't have hoped for a a better end to the season. Like I say, finishing third, only five points off second. Um, Considering where we were, you know, a few months ago and how grim everything looked, uh, I, I I think it has been unbelievable. I still think there's a huge amount of business that could be done in the summer. Uh, but every time that we've thought that in the past, you know, typically it's been very slow and deliberate. You know, it's been a few tweaks here and there. And then the squad has jumped up in quality massively. So I just think with, with Genie going, it looks like Cater's going to go. Minamino uh, looks like he possibly doesn't have a future with us. It, it remains to be seen what happens to the Ox. Milner's obviously not going to continue forever. You've got Henderson in the, in there as well, having injury problems. So I don't think it's going to be wholesale changes, but I think it's there's going to be some movement. And I think in the last couple of years, probably the best bit of business we've done is making sure we don't lose the likes of Mo Salah, we don't lose the likes of Sadio Mane. So it's going to be a really interesting one, a hell of a lot more interesting than the European Championships. Um, but like I say, the way we've finished off this season has been brilliant. I do just want to give a little bit of a shout out as well. We've we've talked about, you know, the players of the season and what have you. The job that Quebec did for those few games when he came in, 
I, th- I think was was fantastic. You know, he he looked a little bit ropey, sort of misjudged a few things at the back, but then he he sort of grew into the game. You know, he's a young lad coming to a different country, different language, and everything. And I think he did brilliantly there. And you know, if I believe the social media rumours, it looks like he's not going to stick around as well. Uh, we're not going to take up that option, but I think he's he's really made an impact. I think on where we've ended up. Ah, uh, yeah, I agree. I'd, I'd like to keep Quebec. I mean, I think eighty million is really, really good business for you know a young a young defender, Randy. You know, certainly one for the future because what you need to do is he's shown signs of like what he could be and you know he's had some really really good games you know let's especially against Leipzig I thought he really really came into his own and if if we're looking at you know like you said not letting the team age all together then we need some young defenders just ready there waiting for when there's an injury or when it's time for these older players to kind of move on you've got ready-made defenders yeah I, I will personally I'd be very surprised if we don't make that deal permanent I think he just came on a, on initially officially on a loan with I, I'm just guess I would I would guess that it, it was pretty much uh, decided that he was he was effectively a permanent deal. It was just the way that we got it uh, got it done so quickly at the end of the January transfer window. He he impressed me. Uh, he settled. He had a few yeah two three ropey appearances, but settled and was really good. His pace was able to cover for the fact that Nat Phillips has the turning circle of the uh, of the Ark Royal, uh, and he was able to cover him behind him. And then two, them two, you know, worked quite well as a partnership. You know, as we've said, Nat Phillips gives absolutely everything he has got. He gives one hundred percent. There is there isn't an ounce of him left on the pitch at the end of it. No, there isn't. <laughs> yeah, but you you and you cannot ask. For any more from that from a player, no, the attitude and the commitment are absolutely top notch. You know, the in terms of you know positioning and his abilities on the ball and and you know and his his agility and uh, and and lack of pace and yeah, there there are a lot of things that are on a downside for him on ability wise. But his attitude is first class. He will head everything and anything away, including concrete. So you 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 know I mean you can't fault for what he's given, but I think him and Quebec worked quite well together, and I think Quebec really helped helped Nat Phillips settle as well. So I, I'd be surprised if Quebec isn't isn't signed to a permanent deal, and and if we could actually do that deal for Ibrahim Konate, I would be beyond delighted because that guy is special. He's a special special talent. So us suddenly having a lot more opportunity, a lot more. Um, options at centre back is is much better than we you know the position that we found ourselves in in this season because we robbed from midfield to cover our shortages in, in defence and it cost us in games because we lost the control of games we lost midfield because we lost our best midfielders and put them in defence and we had Fabinho injured for so uh, we had Thiago injured for so long so yeah I think as we mentioned yeah Ginny's going uh, possibly a navigator. I don't expect then for us to be then letting go of any other midfielders who are in and around the first team. Fringe players more than likely, yes, will go. We'll raise some money. So if we can tie up, you know, the two uh, deals for a you know, centre back, maybe two centre backs, and then we can add in 
you know, a forward and one or two midfielders, suddenly our our squad looks a bit better and looks a bit stronger without having to spend a huge amount of money because I, I think the, the market is going to be quite depressed this summer. So it's going to be about finding the right deals at the right price. And I think we've got the right people in, in place at Liverpool Football Club to do that. And they've proven that over the past five years. You know, we can find good deals and we can do good deals and we can find good players and we can we can shine these rough diamonds up and, and get absolute gems from them. So I, I think, yeah, it's not it's not going to be an absolute revolution, but we, we do need to uh, find ways of recruiting some players uh, and getting ourselves back in the mix where we should be next season. Absolutely. I'm really, really looking forward to it. Right, guys, we have come to the end of the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Nina, thank you for... You've got Dell who wants to come on by the looks of it. Oh, okay. I didn't even see that. Sorry. Um, uh, <laughs> just give me a second. Let's get him on real quick. If I can unmute him. Uh, go on, Del. Yeah. Are you guys all right? Yeah, we're all good. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Um, yes, yeah, so I'd just like to say um, a big thank you to all the guys at AI for this season, for the hard work. Um, you know, with all the podcasts they've produced, the articles and anything like that. People like you and Guy Drinkall who have uh, done all the pre-production and post-production of the podcast and stuff. Guys like um, Dave Hendrick with the Two-Footed Podcast. I know the AI, um, you know, the Under Pressure boys as well. Dan Kennett. Uh, Rosie, Gags, Josiah uh, Bondish. Um, it has been a very difficult year with the pandemic and stuff like that, but a big congratulations to you guys and a big thank you from all us AI subscribers. Thank you so much, Del. And let me tell you something, it would be nothing without you guys. So thank you for listening because that's who we do it for. And it's just great to be part of the community. Del, thank you. Um, you take care and, uh, you know, enjoy enjoy you know um uh, the off season now you don't have to listen to us <laughs> as much no i want to listen to you guys yeah so carry on with the, uh, the podcast fine right <laughs> noted i need right. it for the summer <laughs> okay right we'll, we'll keep we'll keep you um entertained thank you so much del um cheers, thank you cheers i'm glad oh, you didn't no. mention me in that list nina because uh has made more appearances than me Ah, get over yourself. You've been you've been phenomenal and we're gonna get more of you on the pod because you are literally phenomenal. But guys, we have come to the end of the pod and you know what? Um this season, like Dell said, has been quite difficult and um I'm gonna give my award for the Nina Kaz the my man of the match in terms of who's stepped up for me. Uh I'm going to give it to uh, Dave Horrocks. Uh, you know, Sam Evans has kind of like left me. I'm not going to lie. You know, he's hung me out to drive. But Dave Horrocks has been a constant. It's an invisible trophy. You don't get anything. But I just want to appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for that. I'll get the put little prize. Yeah, put any I, mantle, please. <laughs> I think you and Sam, you know, beat me definitely for the most optimistic. Because when things were bleak, you know, I was like, oh, fuck the fuck the world and, and everything. So you guys, and again, Nino, you just do a brilliant job. I say it, you know, season in, season out, you're always here. I know, obviously, guys stepped in for a little bit, but the fact that, you know, 
because I'm a listener as well when I'm not on it. So, you know, it's just brilliant having this show and whether things are, you know, going badly and, you know, it's to listen, to, to dissect what has just happened. It, it's a bit therapy for me. And, and when things are good, obviously it's, it's much better. So no, absolutely brilliant show. And like I say, I've loved being on it, but also love listening to it as well. Del's asking, who's my favourite subscriber? Listen, I don't pick favourites. Okay, you're all good. Okay, Jürgen Klopp doesn't do that. You're all very, very important. No, um, uh, it's it wouldn't be a show without my... And I'm lucky I work with the absolute best. And uh, Andy Wales um, has... Andy Wills has been part of this show for so, so long, um, you know, under under the dark Brendan Rogers day. So he knows exactly where we've come from. And Guy Drinkle has just been exceptional. I don't even talk about that guy because... There's no need. He is just phenomenal. Um, uh, and I want to shout, give him a shout out for kind of stepping in during Ramadan for me, which was quite difficult in terms of schedules. Guys, we've come to the end of the pod. A massive thank you to everyone that joined us live. A massive thank you to all our callers, Gags, Del and Harinda. A massive thank you to both Andy and Dave. Before I let them go, they are going to share their social media details. Andy, I'm going to come to you. Can people hear more of you on podcasts and where can people find you on social media? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Andy Armchair. I'm not doing an awful lot at the moment I'm in the process of moving, uh, moving my family, relocating, and it's, it's a hell of a big deal. So yeah. perhaps next season you, you might hear and see more of me. Uh, just one final thing. It's just so pleasing to get the job done today and to end Roy Hodgson's uh, a managerial career in appropriate fashion by beating him so there we go i'm, I'm glad you know we, we didn't like fantasize and romanticize that because it's just been utterly utterly pathetic from the media but that's another topic for hopefully never another day uh dave what about you um where can people find more of you and your social media details so i've just got to say before i get into that i, I mean what a great season this could be because we could have seen the end of Fat Sam. We could have seen the end of Roy Hodgson. And also Brodgy does a typical Brodgy right on the last day of the season as well. So, you know, I, I, we've got a lot to be positive and look back on, I think, even though it has been trying at times. So you can get me at Seattle Dojos on Twitter and also you can hear me on the VHS Strikes Back and also Comics in Motion as well. So some of the things we've got coming up in the in the next week, we've got Police Academy, we've got uh, American Werewolf in London and then we've got a couple of Sam Raimi films as well. Uh, of course, Sam Raimi, director of Evil Dead, uh, but we're going back and we're looking at Spider-Man 2, the old uh, Tommy McGuire movie and also Darkman with Liam Neeson wonderful stuff and you know my comparison to police academy characters and podcasters can we call gags captain harris <laughs> move it move it yeah, who can be the proctor though let's guy drinkle guy drinkle could be proctor there you go they're gonna absolutely hate me i'm so dead after this pod right guys thank you so much for joining us take care I'm sure I'll be doing more podcasts. There'll be some media matters coming your way. I'm so glad Euro Incision will still be a thing next season, you know, uh, talking about the Champions League. And of course, um, if there's any news, I will be doing more podcasts on, on the Nina Casa show as well. Thank you so much for listening. Take care. Till next time, up the res and enjoy your summer.
Social Podcast Network.